Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is the sixth week of our series, Beyond the Boat. This message comes from Matthew 15, verses 21 through 31. And if you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that down in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. What a joy to be able to come to worship. We're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. And, uh, and in this section of Matthew 14, 15, we consistently see Jesus calling us to this faith that is kind of out of the boat, out of the, out of the comfort zone. And we're going to see that here. We're going to be looking at a passage in Matthew 15 this morning, 15 verses 21 through 31. And, and I'm going to put out there right in the beginning, it's a tough passage. It's, a, it's one that's going to probably make us a little uncomfortable in the beginning. Um, you know, we're committed to expository preaching means that we're studying th- sections of the book, you know, and, and one of the things is it does is it makes me deal with passages, um, you know, that are there, whatever's next. If, if you were topical, you would never choose to preach on this passage. It's because it's one that we struggle with. And, but I'll also tell you that these difficult passages often have incredible beauty. And that's why I love doing this. It forces me to be able to study something that I wouldn't necessarily choose to. And then you get into it and you're like, oh man, that's awesome. And, uh, and I hope that you see that. I hope that by the time that we're done, you're going to say, oh man, that's what a great truth that's here. And uh, so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Matthew 15. Uh, let me begin by reading this passage we're going to look at, starting in verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went out from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain, sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute and many others. And they put them at his feet. And then he healed them so that the crowd wondered why they saw the mute speaking and the crippled healthy and the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. May God bless the reading of his word. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to come and to study this this morning. Thank you for the truths that are here. Father, I thank you that even as I've prayed and thought this through, that, uh, that you open up the Bible to me, that you help me to understand what's here. And, and Father, I pray that you'd get me out of the way. Father, that you would speak through me and in spite of me. Help each one of us that are here to be able to see the truths that are here, to understand not only what it says, but, but how we dig it out. And Father, not only to understand what it means, but Father, also how to apply to our own lives. Father, I pray your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to start by acknowledging right off the bat that this is a challenging passage. I mean, here you have this passage, and we read of this woman, a mother who comes to Jesus, crying out in desperation, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And the challenging part is that as we read Jesus' response to her cry for help, It's something that might make us feel uncomfortable because it's not a response that we would expect from Jesus. Well, she comes out crying out to Jesus for mercy and and to heal her daughter who's severely oppressed. And in verse 23, what was Jesus' initial response? We read, he did not answer her a word. 
He ignored her. And it wasn't just that she asked once and that he was quiet, because then we read, the disciples came to him begging him, saying, send her away for she's crying out to us. In other words, she's following them. She's consistently crying out for help and, and so persistent that the disciples are bothered and saying, you know, Jesus, send her away. They're, they're bothering. And he, she's bothering us. And in all of that, Jesus is silent. And then in response to the disciples, he tells them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And, and, um, and she hears this and she comes and begs him, Lord, help me. And look at Jesus' response in verse 26. She said, he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this whole thing, it makes me pretty uncomfortable. I mean, you look at what Jesus is saying, that, that, it, that it, he seems to be responding, almost to say it simply and bluntly, in an un-Jesus-like way. Um, it seems to be very inconsistent with what we read about him in the rest of the Gospels. Now, now, as I looked at this and studied it and reflected on it, it came clear to me, I think there are two questions that we have to look at in this passage, two big questions to understand it. And, and they may seem to be unrelated, but what we're gonna see is they're actually very closely related. The first question is the most obvious one, and that is how do we understand the apparent silence the apparent lack of compassion, the apparent even rudeness of Jesus to this woman who was coming to him in desperation. Again, she's coming, she's dealing, a mom dealing with the agony of her state of her daughter and she's asking again and again and, and Jesus seems to ignore her. And, and then when she finally says something, he talks about how helping her would be like taking the children's bread and giving it to the dogs, which doesn't sound very nice. But yet throughout our study of the Gospels, we see again and again and again, Jesus being described about his love and his compassion, especially for those that are hurting. I mean, one passage that we've referred to numerous times in the study is in Matthew 6, uh, 936. And look at how it describes him. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's the description. And we say, how does this compare with what we're reading here in Matthew 15. How do we understand that? You know, the second question flows from verse 28. It's at the end of this interaction with Jesus and this woman, and it tells us that Jesus answered her at the end, O woman, great is your faith, be it done for you as you desire, and her daughter was instantly healed. And the question is this, here you see Jesus praising this woman for her great faith. Well, what is it about her faith? What should we learn and what should we try to emulate that we see in her example in our own lives. You know, because when we look at this, it's, it's not just the gospel telling us a story of what happened, it's always teaching us spiritual truths about our own lives. So Jesus is calling this out. He's saying, okay, this is something that we can learn from her. Well, what are we supposed to learn? How, how are we supposed to have a deeper faith from her example? Well, let's start with the first of the questions, and that's dealing with this troubling response of Jesus. Now, the context is this. In the first 20 chap or verses of chapter 15, uh, Jesus has been dealing with these religious leaders of, of his day. And, they, and these were people that were totally fixated on keeping rules. And they even come to Jesus and they try to confront him because his rules, disciples weren't keeping their rules, the, you know, the traditions of the elders. And these were people that were just, they were arrogant, they were prideful, they were right, they were sure that they had the right spiritual heritage, they were born of Jewish stock, they had not only studied the Bible, they had studied the right schools, they had the traditions of the elders, uh, they had kept all the religious rules, and, and they come with arrogance. And we're gonna come back to that, keep that just in the back of your mind, because the context here is significant. 
But now Jesus, after dealing with them, now we're told in verse 21 that immediately, what, what does he do? He went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, now as we read this, it's really easy for us to read these verses and, and just skip over whatever you know, cities are mentioned because we don't know the area, we don't know what that meant. And so, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'll read something like this and I'll kind of, well, well Jesus went from there and he went to this and this, this city and, and then did this. And it doesn't mean anything. I don't think about it. It doesn't seem that important. But in this case, it is. In this case, you know, there's a significance that Matthew is telling us that he withdrew and he went to this district of Tyre and Sidon. Now, you say, what is Tyre and Sidon? Well, let me show you here on a map. And here's the kind of the area of where Jesus ministered to. And, and here you have Tyre up here, Sidon up here. So it's this whole area. And, and here's what I want you to see. All the green here, that's what was traditional Israel. So here you have Judea, Bethlehem's down here. You have Samaria, which is the people are half Jewish. Here you have Galilee. That's where Jesus did all of his ministry. That's where all the Jewish people lived. This area up here, notice it's not green. In fact, if I get a little closer, you know, it says it's Phoenicia. It's kind of this area that was, if you, that was in the Old Testament where it talked about the Philistines, where they were from. That's what that is. Okay, this was an area that was, was historically never part of the Jewish land. It was populated exclusively by Gentiles. It was considered incredibly pagan. In fact, it's mentioned one other time in the Gospels of Matthew, only other time in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus starts condemning these cities, that Jewish cities that are unresponsive, unrepentant to what he's saying. And look what he says. He says, woe to you, Karazan, woe to you, Bethesda. These are the Jewish cities. For if the mighty works had been uh, done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. Now, and then he goes on, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. So these are the, like these pagan cities that are known for their wickedness. Now, remember that because we're going to come back to it. And you're going to see it's really important understanding this passage. So after we read that he goes to this area, Tyre and Sidon, this woman comes to him. And what does it say? It says it's a Canaanite woman from this, re, uh, from this region. So it's a Gentile area. It's a Gentile woman, non-Jewish. And, um, and she comes and she cries out to him, O Lord, son of David, have, uh, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Have mercy on me. Now, even though she's Canaanite, she's Gentile, she's from a non-Jewish area, she's heard about Jesus. And not only that, but she appeals to him even with a, title, with a Jewish title. So she knows something. And she's crying out for mercy. And what do we read? He did not answer her a word. He ignored her. And in spite of his silence, he continues to plead with her. And, and yet, he continues to ignore her. So much so that the disciples are bothered by her persistence. And that's what we see in the the last part of 23. His disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. Now let me point something else out here. Have your Bibles there. Take your eyes off of Jesus for a moment and focus on the disciples. Okay, think about what they're saying to Jesus. They They say, send her away. She is crying out after us. Do you notice they're not saying to Jesus, Jesus, answer her request. Listen to her. What they're doing is they're not at all troubled by her desperate need. They're looking at, and what they're bothered by is, you know, not, boy, she's desperate. She's a mom. She's, but they're bothered by, she's really bugging us. You know, we want quiet. And Jesus, get rid of her because she's bugging us. Why? Because from their perspective, here's this Gentile woman from this Gentile pagan area who has no value spiritually. 
we're going to talk about, I mean, literally the Jews would refer to these Gentiles in this type of area as dogs. They're unclean. They were worth, worthless. So then we read in verse 24, Jesus responds, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That's what he's telling the disciples. But then she hears this and she comes and kneels before him. Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Now again, here's what we're dealing with. How do we understand this apparent silence, this apparent lack of compassion, this apparent even rudeness of Jesus? And again, I will admit, it's a hard passage. We read it at face value. It sounds really troubling. But I also want to let you know that there's, if you dig down here, there's beauty here. There's beautiful ideas that, and if we dig, what you're going to see is it's all there in this passage. You're going to see it not only answers the questions, but it actually teaches us something beautiful. But to understand this, we're going to have to dig a little bit, and we're going to actually have to kind of, I'm going to go through and say, what are some rules for understanding the Bible? I want you to see, you don't have to be a scholar to get this. This is all here, and it's just understanding principles and using those principles. So, so those of you that around for a while, you know that periodically I'll talk about rules for interpreting the Bible, and, and we'll re- reference some of them, and even every couple years we'll do a class on here's, you know, here's rules for interpreting the Bible. And, um, and so let's look at a couple of them. The, one of the rules that, that are applicable here is this. There are passages that seem difficult or out of place, and they're God's way of highlighting the point. You see, the fact is the Bible is incredibly precise. It's God's word, and God is incredibly precise in the way he writes it. I mean, there's never a time that, you know, something is unclear, and then we read it, and God says, you know, you're right, that's kind of unclear. You know, I should have, I should have said that a little different. I should have made it a little more clear. I mean, I do that all the time. God never does that. It's incredibly precise. And so when you see this part that seems kind of uncomfortable, it doesn't seem to fit, you've got to realize it's God's way of almost getting out this highlighter and highlighting it and saying, here's something here to, meant to notice. There's something here I want you to see. It's, it's something that that seems out of place, but it's there for a reason. Now, the problem is, is that most of us, myself included, when I read a passage like this, I tend to really kind of skip over those difficult parts. I'm uncomfortable with them, and I don't want to think about them, so I pretend they're not there. But again, God's saying, no, there's an anomaly I want you to notice. So now here's what we've got to realize. When you look at all of the four Gospels, what you see is consistently, we see this picture of Jesus in, in compassion and love and in reaching out to the needy and, and especially the outcasts and the hurting. And yet, so if we see that consistent, you've got to say, how does that fit in? Because this is out of place. Was Jesus just having a bad day? Or is God seeking to make a point? Well, another principle that's closely related to this, a rule for interpreting, is that since the Bible is God's word, we should always assume and look for a unity and consistency. Now, there are some people that, that don't believe the Bible is God's word. And so when they look at it, they look for any kind of inconsistency or problem, and right away they jump at it, and they say, well, that proves the Bible's wrong. The Bible, you know, this, this, it, I can't believe Jesus. I can't believe this. And, and they're looking for that. And if you're looking for problems in the Bible, you'll be able to find some. Because if you're looking just at face value, and interpreting everything in the worst possible way, yeah, there are going to be some things that don't make sense. But on the other hand, if I really believe the Bible is God's word, that is precise in what it said, and there's a, it's all one message, then I'm going to look for this unity and consistency. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that, that there's a unity in everything that is said here. And what's going to, I promise you, if you look, it will always be there. Because it is God's word. 
And there is unity, there is consistency. It isn't always at the surface, but it's always there if you look there. And we're gonna see that here in this passage this morning. There are some people that use this passage as an excuse to just reject the Bible, reject Jesus. I, I don't understand, I don't like that picture of Jesus. But I want you to, we're gonna see that this is totally um, in line with everything that is taught about Jesus throughout the gospel. It reveals his love and compassion. Now, how do we see that? Well, that's where we go to the most important rule for interpreting the Bible. And for those of you here, you hear me say this one all the time. The most important rule, the first rule of interpreting the Bible is that you must use Scripture to interpret Scripture. So if you see something that doesn't understand, it's not, well, here's my opinion, here's what I think, here's what I feel. No, the Bible itself gives us the answer. One, then what is it? Rule 1A with Scripture and Scripture. Rule 1A is context is king. And what that's saying is that when we look at this, you've got to say, okay, that something is unclear. You need to look at the context of the verses right around it. And, and sometimes, many times, it gives an explanation. Right there, it's right there. And that's what we're going to see, is we see the seemingly confusing description of Jesus' actions, and it's explained right here in the verses around it. All right, so let's, let's look around it. Let's go back to where we were at in the beginning, verse 21. And we notice in verse 21, it starts by telling us that he went from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. I told you a few minutes ago this would be important. Now we see why. See, again, it's important just to overlook these cities. But here's what you need to realize. What do we remember about Tyre and Sidon? It wasn't part of Israel. It was part of Phoenicia. It was a Gentile area where all exclusively populated pretty much by Gentiles. It was known for spiritual wickedness. Now, how do we understand that with verse 24 when Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Now, understand, Jesus intentionally leaves Israel and he goes to a Gentile area. And if he was not concerned at all about Gentiles, why does he go to an area where there's all Gentiles? If he came only to minister to the Jews, then why did he leave that Jewish community and go to this exclusively Gentile region? Now, think about that for a minute. All right, now as you think about that, let's go to another part of the verse. Let's go to the verses right after this interaction. All right, so verses 29 through 30. It's right after the interaction with the woman. Uh, we go to verse 29. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down. And a great crowd came to him, bringing with them the lame and the blind and the crippled and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking and the crippled healthy and the lame walking and the blind seeing and they glorified the God of Israel. Now when we read this, the question we have to ask is who are the people now that are coming to Jesus? Are they Jews or are they Gentiles? Because he was coming from an exclusively Gentile area. He was in Tyre and Sidon. And now we're told he's walking back toward, toward Galilee. Now who are the people? And again, it's right here in the verse. It's right there at the end of verse 31. Look what it says. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled, the healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. Now, when it says that, you wouldn't say of the Jews, they glorified the God of Israel. They glorified their God. They glorified the God that they believe. This is what you say of people who don't, aren't from Israel. In fact, this is the only time this is said throughout the Gospels. And so here you have, I think very clearly, I mean, you have Gentiles. I mean, it might have been Jews and Gentiles, but there were clearly a lot of Gentiles in here that are coming to Jesus, and Jesus is healing them, and he's not saying, well, I'm not here for you, and, and you, know, you know, it's giving you, do- you know, bread to dogs, and he doesn't say any of that. He just heals them. 
and they praise God. Not only that, but it's not only scripture interprets scripture, you look to other passages. So let's say you, you have a passage like John 10, verse 16, Jesus said this, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Now the sheep not of this fold, everybody understands, that's the Gentiles. He's speaking to the Jews and saying, no, I've come to not only reach this fold, I've come to reach other sheep out of this fold, and so he's concerned for them. So then, how do we see this? How do we understand what he's saying, and he's going intentionally to this Jewish area, and here's what I want you to see. Is everything in this passage Jesus going there and healing all these Gentiles and and, and other passages like this one tell us of his compassion for the Gentiles. So when we look in verse 24 and we read him saying, why came just for the Jews, not for the Gentiles? What I want you to see is remember what was right before this. When you had this woman following Jesus and the disciples were like, send her away. You know, she's bugging us. They had no compassion. Why? Because to them, she was just a dog that, nobody cared about. Of course God didn't care about her. And so when Jesus turns to them, not to her, to them and say, I came to minister to the Jews, you know, not to the, you know, not to the Gentiles. He was saying what they thought. He's confronting them and their lie because everything else in the passage, he's saying, well, this is what you think that I'm doing. And then every else thing in the passage says, and you got it wrong. We've come here to the Gentile area to reach the Gentiles. I'm going to heal all these Gentiles because, because my message is not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. It starts with the Jews, but goes beyond that. And once you start to see that, you start to see that there's a, actually a beauty in what is being taught here. That, that this, what we're seeing, what looks like Jesus' silence and lack of compassion is actually an expression of his love and compassion. Fine. Now think about this, okay. In all of the Gospels, he goes, we're told he goes to Tyre and Sidon. It's the only time in all of the Gospels that we're told that Jesus leaves Israel. And, and not only that, but and he goes to Israel, we're told that he interacts with this one woman. Now he heals other people on the other, but the only person that we have record of him interacting when he's there is this one woman. Now here's what I want you to think of. Jesus goes there, interacts with one woman that we read of. Do you think that he knew he was going to do that before he went there? Do you think he went there and it's like, well, I'm just, you know, and, and then he's like surprised. So, so I'm Gentiles and a Gentile's reaching out to me and what do I do? And no, no, the fact is that we have him the one time he leaves Israel for his entire life, he speaks specifically to this one woman. You put these pieces together and what you see is he was there for her. And what seems to be his indifference towards her actually wasn't an act of, of indifference. It wasn't a lack of compassion. It was him intentionally saying, I'm here for you, but I want to teach you something that goes beyond just healing your immediate need. And what was he trying to teach? Well, it's right there. We look in verse 28 at the end. He says, and he commends her for her great faith. This whole action is to, is in, or interaction is to draw out her faith. He celebrates her faith. You know, when he would come to the end, he says, you know, you know this is a great faith. And, and, and he's pointing, not only that, he's pointing to, to us and he's saying to us, you know, this is somebody you can learn from. It's like in school. Do you ever remember in school that sometimes you'd have a tough subject and you'd have that one kid who got it and then they're like, you know, but if you don't get it, get it, go to Billy. You know, he can help you explain it. That didn't happen to me very often. I, at one time it did. Actually, I, 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 took, I took Spanish for a brief period of time. And the first day in Spanish, 
They were saying, you gotta learn how to pronounce and you gotta roll your R's, you know, gotta and you know, so I could, I could roll my R's. And there were people in the class that couldn't roll their R's. And so the teacher is like, well, we gotta go to Mike. He can teach you to roll your R's. And, and boy, he's an example of that. Now, first of all, have you ever tried to teach somebody to do that? You know, it's like, well, loosen your tongue. You know, trying to, yeah, I mean, try to teach somebody to roll their R's that can't. It's kind of hard to do. Um, but one day, I was a good student. And the next day, we started learning about the language and speaking it and rules. And they never again sent anybody to me to learn. And uh, in fact, I think about halfway through the semester, she's like, you might want to try a different language. You know, I don't like having you as a student. And, and, um, and the thing is, I wasn't a good example. I was in the beginning, but it didn't stay. Here you have this woman who's saying, I think in a sense, Jesus is saying, this is a woman who, who she stayed. I've tested her. I've, I've drawn out her faith. And, and what you're seeing is an incredibly mature faith that we can all learn from. And what was it about her faith? It's a faith, first of all, that is able to believe God when God seems silent. Again, we read in verse 22, and behold, the Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed. And she's crying out in verse 23, we read, and he did not answer a word. And again, when we read this on the face, it sounds like Jesus isn't concerned about this woman, that he intends to ignore his request. Um, but here's we need to, again, remember, Jesus is aware of everything. He's, do, you, do you think, think about this. Again, just think about it. Do you think that Jesus goes to this Gentile area, is surprised that this Gentile reaches out to him, and just intends to ignore her the whole time, and finally he wears, she wears him down, and she's like, you know what, you wore me down, and your arguments are good, and so I've changed my mind. Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna do what you asked. Do you think that's what happened? No. No, the fact is, is that Jesus went there to minister to this woman. And what he's doing here is that he's responding to her to teach her something, to teach us something. Why? Because it, the problem that she had wasn't just her demon-oppressed daughter. The problem she had was a spiritual problem in a relationship with God. And he's saying, okay, I want to I teach you not only about the problem that you're bringing, but I want to teach you of something about what it means to have faith in God. And so initially he responds with silence. Right, now let's make this very practical to our lives, right? How many of you have had some period in life where you've had some significant trial? And you've gone through this trial and you cried out to God and you prayed to him and God doesn't seem to answer. And you pray and you pray and you pray and it seems like God is silent. Have you ever felt that? Yeah. Anybody that's been a believer at any period of time, we know what that's like. In those times, we have two options. You see, either we can say, I prayed to God, and, and you know what? I'm going to walk away. I don't believe. Because I'm praying, and I don't see him, and I don't feel him, and so therefore, because I don't see God's presence, he's not good, he's not reliable, and I quit believing, and I'm just going to walk away from him. And our faith crumbles. Or we're going to sit there and we're going to say, I don't see God, I don't feel, I don't, you know, but I know God is there. I know his character. I know his promises. I know that he's reliable. So I'm going to trust his character even when I don't see it. I'm going to double down and keep asking because I know that he's going to respond to me. Now, again, remember that you have this woman who's commended for her great faith. And what was that faith? It was her ability to believe in God's character even when she didn't see him working. It was this idea that she knew that who God's character was. What is faith? Faith is when God's promises 
are more real to us than our perception, what we think and what we feel. is unseen promises that are taught in the Bible, his character. See, when we look at this, often when we think of faith, people often will say, oh, I prayed this and, and this happened and a great act of faith and because God worked, that's a great example of faith. Do you know what real faith is? Do you know, you know what great faith is? Faith is the ability to pray and we, we don't see God work. It's easy. I mean, if every time that I prayed and I prayed and God give me this and God did it, it'd be like, I would never need to have faith because I would never need to see the unseen promises of God that disagreed with my perception of reality. And the only time that I learned to have faith is when I don't see God working, when I don't understand what he is doing. So now here you have this woman crying out to Jesus and Jesus seems to be ignoring her. Does she give up? No. Does she say, well, God, he must not be, you know, must not be good. It must not be who I heard. No, she doubles down, even in the apparent absence of a reply. And then even when Jesus, he says, you know, I've sent the lost sheep of, of Israel. Now, again, the disciples have been telling her, get away from us. You don't belong. And so that's what, she, that, that's what every people have said. You're unworthy. You ever felt that way? Have you ever had even people say, well, God, why should God answer your prayer? Because you're unworthy. That's what people are saying to her. And Jesus comes back and almost goes into that. It's, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But what does she do? Even when she feels that God is silent, even when she feels it is unworthy, even when other people are telling her that, she continues to pursue Jesus, pressing into him because she believes in the goodness of his character in spite of the apparent lack of evidence. She believed that Jesus was good. And because he was good, she, he would eventually answer her request. Look what it says about faith in Hebrews. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith in this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is when we believe in the character and promises of God, even when we don't see them. It's when we know, what we know to be true about God's character is more real to us than what we feel and think we see at that moment. And again, it's not that enough faith makes things happen. A lot of times God says, I want to give you a greater faith. And, and he says, I want to give you the greater faith. And what it's going to do is it's not going to give you the things that you want or they think you're going to need. I'm going to give you, in a sense, times of silence because I want you to learn to believe in me when you don't see me. See, the fact is that God will build our faith through perceived times of si- or, or his perceived silence. That there will be times that God lovingly will come. And here, what you have this woman, he celebrates her faith. How did she get that faith? because she pers- persisted even when it perceived to be silent. She walked away with that whole interaction with far more than just the healing of her daughter. She walked away with a deeper understanding of faith and of, of God and of his love and his grace. You know, sometimes people will, you know, I pray to God and he wasn't there and people get angry and, and basically he didn't do what I expected him to do. And, but what we need to realize, we're all going to go through that period. Will we have a faith that crumbles and say, if a God doesn't there, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to give up? Or do we see this as our example to follow? That this is our story? That, that what you see here isn't Jesus' lack of concern for this woman, it's his expression of concern and commitment to not only her need, but to her spiritual growth and health. You see, the same thing is true for us. There are times that we will go through times that God's not being unloving. He's not being, he's not being silent. He's not death. He's not unconcerned. It's not that he's ignoring us because we're unworthy. He's actually pursuing us and saying, I want, to, I want to meet not only the need that you're coming to, I want to meet this deeper need of giving you a deep faith. I love what it says about this in James chapter 1. 
Let me do that. See if this helps a little bit. Okay. Um, James 1, it says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. We will go through trials. God, that's God's plan. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. So God wants to give us this faith, this, this perfect and complete. How does he do that? By allowing us to have periods of trial, of times that we don't understand, times that are difficult. And what do we do when we go through that time? Well, we says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to take what I know about God and to apply it to our life. So I know that God is good. I know that God is loving, but I don't see it. I, I, I don't know how to apply it to what I'm feeling now. And we're going to have that. And when we, there we ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. He will give it to us. He will grow it. But then when it says, um, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is uh, driven and tossed by the wind. And what is it? I thought you said it's okay to doubt. Well, here's what he's saying. Is that put your faith, you feel the doubt, but put your faith in what you know, not what you feel. Because why? Let's take the example of this woman. Take her example in our own life. You know, there are times like, I prayed to God and he answered. The wave's in. I believe God. God's good. And suddenly I'm going through a crisis and I pray to God, God's silent. He's not there. I don't believe in him. He's not good. I, you know, I have a crisis. I'm going to walk away from him because I, because I don't. Oh, well, well, he answered the prayers and now God's good. And, and it's blown and tossed. If we put our faith in what we feel, that's our spiritual life. And he says, no, I want you to have a faith that be, is able to, to believe what you know. A faith that is the essence of the un- things that are unseen, that knows even when it goes against what you feel or what you see. That's immature faith. That's a great gift that God can give us. You see, but her faith here that is being celebrated and praised is not only this faith of, of coming and, and answering. It's actually something about the gospel. It's a faith that, that she understands, the, what, the faith that humbly and confidently accepts the gospel. Again, go back to verse 25. She came and knelt before him, said, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, it's easy to miss some of the background here. Um, part of it is that we're a very dog-friendly country. I mean, people I mean, have their dogs, and they bring them everywhere. And, and people even will say, here's my fur babies. You know, it's kind of my children. And, and the stores that are dogs, and very dog-loving society. That was not the case back then. When back then, most dogs were wild dogs, they were in packs, they were scavengers, they were, they were seen as very dirty, unclean. And for that reason, it was common actually for the Jews to refer to Gentiles as dogs. They were unclean, they were worthless, they were... Now, is that what Jesus is saying to this woman here? Is he insulting her? No, he's actually telling her a parable. And the key to understand this, this is the one thing that's hard to get in the English Bible, but it's, but it's there, it's really important is he doesn't use the usual word for dog. A dog was actually, again, there weren't many pets, but there were some, and Jesus doesn't use the usual word for dog. He uses the word for puppy or pet, a little dog. And so when he says here, he says, you know, he says to her, um, uh, you know, um, he answered, is, is it right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the puppies? Is basically what he says. And, and what you've got to see here is that he's giving her, in a sense, you don't belong, you're not part of the family, you don't belong, but at the same point, you're not a dog that's excluded, that's, un, that's bad, you're, you're actually a puppy, you're part of the family. 
And she understands that. Her response back, yes, Lord, even the puppies, he uses that word, even the puppies eat the crumbs from the, that fall from the master's table. You're not telling me I'm a dog that is dirty and doesn't belong. You're telling me that I, that I am not worthy, but that I'm part of the family. And what her response is to say, Jesus, yes, but even the puppies eat too. They're part of it there, and, and I'm coming, and she understands the gospel. She's saying, I'm not worthy, but yet I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you to do this not because of my goodness, but because of your goodness. I'm coming in based on, on who you are. And here's the gospel. We have to start by recognizing that we come and admit our unworthiness. You know, what's really interesting is that I mentioned in the beginning, the context, and right before this, you had these Jewish religious leaders that had come to Jesus, and they're, hey, we're righteous, and we're born Jewish, and we keep the laws, and we have the right education, and, you know, and, and Jesus confronted them. And you know what his confrontation was? Basically saying, you're looking at the external rule-keeping, I'm looking at the internal. And the internal, your hearts are sinful. Your actions show that you have a sin problem at your heart. And they're offended and they walk away. They reject Jesus because they're offended. How dare you call us sinful? How dare you say we're not worthy? Don't you know we're good? Now you have this woman. And this woman, Jesus comes and says, okay, well, give me. And, and Jesus says, you know, you, you're not worthy. You're not one of the children. You're not worthy here. And, you know, but yet you're invited in kind of, a, you're not rejected. And she comes back and she says, she's not offended. And she says, I agree with you, I'm not worthy. But I'm willing to come as a puppy. You know, basically, I'm willing to come and be invited in. Don't give me, I'm not asking based on who I am and what I've done. I'm basing, asking based on the goodness of who you are and grace. You see, the gospel starts by understanding we're all sinners. And if you think it's about religion and you're here sitting there saying, I'm good enough and I've tried hard enough and this is my heritage and I'm born a Christian and I was baptized when I was a child and that's the religious leaders. You're coming to Jesus and saying, this is who you are. And the Bible's going to come and say, no, you're a sinner, that you need God's grace. And if you get offended by that and walk away, you will miss relationship with Jesus. And a lot of people do that. They don't like something that calls us sinners. But this woman heard this and she said, yeah, I'm going to run towards it. I don't deserve. And that's the fact of the matter is all of us are that way. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's, that's offensive to us all. And if we understand and admit our unworthiness, then we will understand God's grace. Because the fact is, yes, we are all sinners. For the wages of sin is death. We deserve God's punishment, but the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus dies on the cross so that he can give us forgiveness, he can give us grace. And in admitting our unworthiness, there we discover God's love. Because we realize that God invites us into the feast. Not based on us being a children, us being deserved to be there, but by his grace. And this woman gets it. And she understands. Yeah, I, I, I realize I don't deserve there, but, but I come and I ask you based on grace. Give me the position I do not deserve. And Jesus turns around and says, okay, this is the woman that gets it. She has faith. And my friends, that's where for each one of us. Do you understand that? Do you understand, okay, the gospel, the offensive part is that we're all sinners. And if you think you're good, you're not. None of us are. That's me included. God doesn't use me because I'm a good person or I deserve or I've earned it or, no, God uses me and has forgives me and I have a relationship with him because I admit my need. I come to him in humility and I say, God, forgive me through Jesus Christ. Make me righteous. Give me the ability to, to serve you. And if you've never done that, that's the invitation of the gospel. And if you're righteous, you know, it might be offensive and you might want to walk away and, and understand, yeah, you've got to let God offend you before you can understand his love. And there might be some people that would be, but I don't believe. You hear the message of the disciples and they're like, yeah, you're a dog, you know. And, and some people are offended and walk away and, and they're like, 
Yeah, I'm too bad. And there's none of us that are too bad. See, God's message of grace is for every one of us that will come and admit that need, come before his grace and ask for his forgiveness. And then once we have that, amen, that is worth, for, that is worth an amen. And, and, and if you're there, if you've never done that, I pray that even today, you just pray, God, I ask you to forgive me. I, I admit my need. I accept the gift of Jesus Christ. And then once we've done that, what do we want? Not only that faith of this woman who's discovered what it meant to have relationship with Christ, but then that all of us are gonna go through those periods where in life there's trial, there's hardship, and God, I thought you loved me, and, and God, why aren't you answering my prayer? And, and it seems like Jesus is silent, and some of you are there right now. There are people I know that are here that you have struggled in here this morning because you just feel like, man, I'm calling out to God, and does he care? Does he hear? Is he, is he there with me? And I want you to realize that this is a story that is your story. And in this story, what we read is it seemed that he was silent, but Jesus went there for that woman. Jesus is pursuing you. And yeah, I don't understand. And yes, it doesn't always feel that he's loving and that he's understanding and, and he's not doing the things that I would think are loving and compassionate, that I think that I need. But I want you to understand that he is pursuing you, that he's loving you. And he's going to meet those needs in that time, but part of that need is not just the physical need you're coming to him with, but it's also saying, I want to give you a deeper faith. I want to give you the ability to believe in me when you don't see me. That's a precious gift. Are you willing to believe in him that way? Are you willing to meet him? We're going to close and then close in song, but even in that song, it's just, what do we need? We need Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. We need to realize that in this time, it's not about us. It's not about our goodness. It's not about, it's about who he is. And what we believe about him, whether we see it or not, he's true. He calls us to call out to him knowing that even when we don't see it, he's there and his character will always prove true. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, Community Church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.